0: hi everyone just a reminder that this show is not legal advice trading advice financial advice or personal advice enjoy the show and thank you very much Yo, yo, welcome to Crypto 101. This is Matthew Aaron. And apparently, all exchanges suck. It don't matter what you use. Bittrex, Poloniex, GDAX, Coinbase, Gemini, Kraken, whatever you use, they suck. And they're about 30 years behind in technology. Now, I know if we all just got into trading, we never trade on Wall Street, never trade Nasdaq, and this is our first stop in investing in trading, we don't know what is good or the tools at our disposal, or what's going on in the markets from the big players, the big banks, that big money. You gotta know you're in a bad relationship
1: unless nobody stops
0: hitting you, right? Well, we're about to get a lesson on it. And Alexander Kravis, CEO and founder of Xtrade.io, that's Xtrade.io, not Xtrade.com, is putting the piping, the plumbing of the foundation that supports Wall Street into cryptocurrency. So we get to play with the tools that make the real money so i'm excited to have this conversation with alex and hear about that infrastructure but before we talk to him go to crypto 101 podcast.com that's crypto 101 podcast.com there you can get our social you can go on to our twitter you can go on our instagram you can go on our facebook our facebook group is popping you can send us an email say matt what's up you can talk story i like to talk story that's cool You can go on our iTunes, subscribe to us, leave us a comment, say this podcast is dope. Or leave us a comment and say, you know what, we can do better. That's cool too. And please be a Patreon. Our Patreons are helping out a lot. They are paying for our subscription services. Thank you very much to the Patreons. So without further ado, how exchanges should and will work with Alexander Kravis, CEO and founder of Xtrade.io. Alex, thank you very much for coming on Crypto 101. Uh, Matthew, thanks so much for having me. I
1: uh, appreciate you uh, taking the time. I'm just traveling right now, coming to you from uh, Seoul in South Korea. Not a lot of sleep, but uh, hopefully I'll be a little more informative than, uh, than I would have been with sleep, because I'll be more interactive, right? So, <laughs> <laughs> Where were you before Seoul? I was actually in Miami, uh, for BTC Miami. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, that was really crazy. I think it was about 4,000 people. Uh, it was uh, it was so saturated uh, the yacht party sold out. You know, the so you the yacht many- party? Yeah, the yacht party, uh, and uh, lots of uh, expensive cars outside the hotel. A lot of crazy stuff going on. A lot of a lot of cool people, though. A lot of uh, very fun, uh, very intelligent people that we met, and. Uh you know, the, the space is really growing quickly and, uh, it's really growing in a good way. So we're very happy about that.
0: So you say yacht party, a lot of expensive cars outside. This is something that you're already accustomed to coming from wall street, isn't it?
1: <laughs> well, we didn't have that kind of access, you know, we were a little more discreet, uh, whether, you know, kind of gauche to kind of show that off that much. But I think in crypto, a lot of people are making money very quickly. And so, uh, you know, when you go from zero to 3 million in four seconds, you're kind of, um, probably prone, prone to spending a little more than you should on things that are a little more <laughs> showy than they should be. But, uh, you know i think like anything else uh, people make money quickly they spend it they show off and then eventually it's going to mature and People are going to uh, kind of, you know, understand what's really important uh, and try to actually build value in the space. And I think that's that's also happening this year in 2018.
0: So, Alex, you have a long history on Wall Street, trading, stock market. Can you just tell us a little bit about your history and, and, and who you are first?
1: I came from uh, Russia, uh, an immigrant uh, from St. Petersburg in 1989. Uh, grew up in Brooklyn. I uh, went to high school in the city. Then I went to college uh, in the city as well, in New York City. I uh, was a computer science major. Uh, about halfway through my uh, my college career, I got a job uh, day trading, small uh, prop shop in uh, Flushing, Queens. And so my day basically was getting up at six in the morning, driving to trade between 9.30 and 4, and then going to night school, then uh, coming home. So I did that for a couple of years. We created a way to make uh, money trading, and we had our own uh, trading platform. Uh, and from there, we decided that not only could we trade for ourselves, we could actually take this platform and offer it to people to trade as a broker. And so... We grew from um, a small shop of a couple of guys to, uh, you know, clearing firm, uh, broker-dealer. We were a market data vendor. We were a software provider. We were a high-frequency trading provider. I uh, opened a branch inside the company that was uh, Sogo Trade, which is a retail uh, brokerage uh, for, I think, catering to 100,000 investors at one point. Mm. So, um, you know, we were doing, I think, at 1.4% of NASDAQ daily trading volume. Wow. Yeah, so uh, you know, we kind of ran the gamut from uh, start to finish, and uh, you know, throughout that process, um, I was kind of the lead guys, and and as far as like, you know, what's the next new operational thing. So every time something new happened, I got a new hat to wear.
0: Right.
1: Uh, eventually, I uh, you know, I ran out of hats <laughs> to wear, but uh, luckily, I was able to pick up a lot of not uh, a knowledge along the way, and so uh, that's kind of my background. So just about 12, 13 years in trading, uh, personally, probably 14 or 15 years in trading. Uh, almost on a daily basis, uh, I ran the trade support desk, the stock loan desk, the risk desk, uh, the P&S desk, pretty much every desk there was uh, kind of reported to me, except for the compliance portion of it. So uh, operationally, I'm, uh, you know, I'm very competent and um, I have very deep knowledge of the equity markets as far as how they actually uh, work. On the structural basis, how the actual workflow works for when you send an order to what happens when it's executed, to how it clears, how the market data portion works, how the software interaction works, and basically the entire lifecycle. Because I had to support it and build it uh, on the way up. I got into crypto at the beginning of 2017. I started trading for myself and uh, immediately saw the inefficiencies that I, you know, that are basically very prevalent in crypto because there's literally a hundred different exchanges. Um, they all have different prices. Uh, things trade in a way that's not connected. So you know just because you buy Bitcoin on one uh, one market for twelve thousand, it could be eleven thousand somewhere else, thirteen thousand somewhere else, and there's no way that those markets communicate. Right. Um, the interfaces are very basic uh, compared to what I'm uh, used to even fifteen years ago, just to give you an idea. Just real literally, it's like you have to open multiple web pages and click through, and it's just really cumbersome. You have to take take a drop down uh, and and change your order. and by the time you do that, the market's moved against you. It's just really, really, it's something that was around like literally 20 years ago. And the APIs also. so you know a lot of these exchanges have uh, algorithmic interfaces. So basically, if you have a computer program that trades, you write a program to interact with that program, but the problem is that each one has its own program, right? Each exchange has its own API, and so you have mm-hmm. to write a hundred of them to to trade across all the exchanges, which is crazy. Right. Um, and so uh, all the, all these things kind of preclude the retail investors from participating fully. And obviously, the institutional investors and traders are just looking at this whole market aghast because you know they 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 do want to participate because the returns are uh, you know very high and uh, the movements are quite good for trading, but. Just the interfaces um, and um, sort of the um, anachronistic nature of how these things are built initially stopped them from doing so. And that's kind of what we're solving at Xtrade, creating tools to to help the retail and institutional and active investors and traders. Uh, participate in crypto and make it a little bit more like the equity markets right. not just in terms of regulation but in terms of structure in terms of access in terms of technology just make making a like on-ramp for that type of uh, environment for the people that are used to it and want to participate like they're uh, like they're used to participating normally and um, hopefully that'll bring more liquidity and um, more transparency into the space
0: right cool man you know you touched on a couple things right there and i think they're really cool first congratulations on coming over to the states and just killing it man that's Awesome. That's a, that's one of those, you know, American stories that everybody loves to hear. Thanks, man. Yeah.
1: Well, it's been a while. Yeah. I came, 1989, so it's. Uh, <laughs> I think I was seven or eight. But, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. For
0: sure. For sure. I mean, but you know, you know, immigrant family. You know, that's what you know. America is built on is like you know that idea of coming over to the states, and you know, I'm first generation. on My dad's side as well. So my dad oh, cool. was from Nigeria. One of my best friend is also a Russian immigrant. Came over in 1989 as well. We're on the same plane. <laughs> yeah. So exactly. So I think it's just a, super cool. And um, anyway, just lo- love to hear those kinds of stories. Um, but first, I just want to get into break this down before we start going into. Action, trade io and you know linking everything together and saying that you know the crypto trading world is 20 years behind most people have only got into this crypto or trading or any kind of investment or or stock market or stock trading or anything like that in the past three months past six months right can you just break down this might be a, a weird and basic question what is the stock market and what is it to trade on the stock market
1: so the stock market essentially is a way to participate uh, in companies economic benefits um, and the crypto markets a little different. It's, uh, it's more about utility and so forth. But in the equity space, uh, basically stock trading, you have basically a market, right, You know, like Nasdaq. Uh, so stocks do an IPO. Uh, they uh, create shares and they're listed on Nasdaq. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what that means is that they're trading on the Nasdaq market, but they're actually uh, trading across numerous networks. So uh, in 2000s, one of the first networks that came out was Island. Okay. Uh, it's actually the one that I traded on when it first came out. And then there was uh, other markets that came out: uh, Direct Edge, BATS, ICE, uh, lots of different markets. And there, think of them as crypto exchanges, right? So there's BitShares, there's Poloniex, there's Kraken, there's uh, Gdax, there's uh, Binance, right? Right. Uh, but so so imagine uh, the same thing trades across all these markets, right? Mm-hmm. But the difference uh, in the stock market is that uh, all these markets work together, okay. right? So let's say you're, let's say you look up the price of Microsoft, let's say it's, uh, I don't know, $50 just to give a round number, right? Okay. So you see 50 bucks, but right. really what happens is that there's a bid and there's an ask. So people are literally saying, I want to buy Microsoft for $49, mm-hmm. for $49.01, for $49.02, for $49.03, up to $50, right? So let's say the best price that somebody wants to buy for is $49.99, right? right? And let's say people are selling Microsoft, so they want to sell it for $60, mm-hmm. $59.99, $59.98. And on down um, so that the lowest offer, the lowest price of somebody willing to sell Microsoft for was, let's say, $50.01, right? Mm-hmm. So the spread between the, the highest bid, which is forty nine ninety nine, and the lowest offer, which is $50.01, is $0.02, cents, right. right? So if you're buying Microsoft, you're paying $50.01. If you're selling it, you're you're selling it at forty nine ninety nine, right. And that's the spread. The cool thing is that uh, in the stock market. Uh, there's something called Regulation NMS, mandated by the SEC in 2004, and what that means is that if you sell Microsoft at a certain price, let's say 49.98, and there's a market out there that trades also on NASDAQ, uh, but it's actually a separate market center which has a price of 49.99, your order is going to get rerouted automatically to the best price. Oh wow. So you always have price protection, which is why these markets trade closely together.
0: So can I, can I just stop you here? So let's just try to uh, juxtapose that with cryptocurrency trading right now. So if I was on Bittrex, this is what you're saying. If I was on Bittrex and I saw, let's say, Virium trading at 10 bucks, in on Bittrex, my order couldn't get filled for the price that I wanted to. It would automatically re- reroute me to, say, Poloniex to pick that up. Correct. Oh, OK. So
1: so in that case, like uh, that coin would be listed on a central exchange and all those uh, individual markets would work together. They, mm-hmm. would, they would reroute to each other in, in the stock markets. Everyone has counterparty relationships. Most participants actually agree to, with each other that they should reroute orders to each other. Uh, and that creates order flow that creates stability in the space. Okay. Uh, if you don't have that, you see what happens with crypto, because, you know, things trade at like 20 percent differences when things move quickly. The The biggest thing is that there's no liquidity.
0: Right. right. Right.
1: So exactly. it's, markets are thin. So you have somebody on the inside, you know, buying whatever. And then there's a little bit more below that. And then below that, it's death. Right. There's nothing. Uh, you saw that in the summer, obviously, when um, the GDX flash crash when some guy. Uh,
0: right.
1: <laughs> sold a million bucks and it went from 300 to like, you know, a penny. Somebody bought it <laughs> and sold it at 300. That's pretty but the problem is everybody got killed because on the way down, it hit all the stop orders, right? So imagine right. you have a stop order to, to, to sell Ethereum at, you know, 200 in case it goes to below 250 or you're scared, right? And that got hit. And then back to 300. What do you do? You know, it's crazy. Mm. The reason for that is because there's no liquidity. Now, if the orders were rerouted, if there was other market centers that participated, that wouldn't happen. If right. there was more institutional order flow, there would be more on the bid, more on the offer. So it wouldn't move as much, right? But it would be – they would absorb, the you know, that that type of movement. They would know that, hey, this is crazy. This is just a flash crash. We should pick some up and they would be there. That would kind of mitigate these movements. Also, in equity markets, there's um, thresholds, right? So if a stock trades below 10% on a given day, they'll stop trading for half an hour. You know, mm-hmm. It's more, you know, they'll stop it for a day You know, if your jobs are below a certain threshold. So these circuit breakers kind of function to like alleviate some of that volatility. And then get in crypto, you do not have that. The other thing is transparency. So each exchange kind of reports, uh, you know, what they do to regulators. So that doesn't mean that that has to happen in crypto, but they're kind of like holding themselves to a standard because somebody looks at what's going on. Right. So can't just like, you know, do whatever spread they want. They can't just not open your account. Can't just like not send you money. Like, uh, you know, I, I, I ran a support desk, right? I had, you know, probably 20 or 25 people report to me. And somebody called and said, I want to get $50,000 out of my account somebody and somebody emailed them we'll give you a support they could call us in three weeks uh, <laughs> that would I would just go to jail right right uh, and then in crypto uh, hey sorry it's crypto you know right and you know that's not acceptable right uh, I believe I, I, agree. I think that I agree. Th- there should be a, there should be it doesn't have to be like the SEC is going to be sitting in your office or anything and uh, you don't even need that much regulation um, per se and it really depends on the jurisdiction but there should be some accountability there should be some level of response to a question. And obviously, you know, if somebody needs to get money out, there should be accountability as far as that goes. like I have a Poloniex account, right? So I bought some Monero and then it went up. Uh, but then in order to get it out, I'm, I'm, I'm limited to like, you know, a certain amount. In order to raise that, I have to get verified. But then when right. I get verified, it said, you're no longer allowed to be verified. <laughs> right. So, so what do I do? So now I have to like smurf my money out, you know, a day right. at a time. Uh, you know, it's just it's crazy. Why? Yeah. Because can, because because they want they want me to do that. They want to make it hard for me to get my money out right. or because they don't want to bother or because they're too lazy. They're making too much money in the spreads every day and the commissions because they're right. charging quarter 25 basis points, which is a huge amount of money.
0: Really. Can I uh, can I ask a question? Is is that about just market maturity? I mean, you know, the, the stock market and, you know, Wall Street has had many years to get this right. Right. Of course. So, of course. Is is it even a, is it even comparable? Can we even compare it to the crypto market, or is this just a natural evolution, or should they have gotten their shit together earlier?
1: Uh, they can't. You know, it's impossible. The the market's grown so quickly this year uh, mm-hmm. that it's just physically impossible to really do uh, fully uh, what has to be done. You know, the other issue is that uh, a lot of these exchanges are built not by financial professionals, by by blockchain technologists, and obviously right. who else would build them? And that makes a great deal of sense. But you know, at, at this point, I think there's enough enough of a maturity in the space, there's enough money, there's enough, they're making a lo- enough to like allocate some of their resources to fixing those issues. And you see the be- the better exchanges doing like Binance, for instance, or Gemini is a great exchange, you know, even though they don't do a lot of volume, they're very responsive. Coinbase and GDAX does whatever they can also. So I, I think it's re- definitely moving towards that standard. And I think later on this year, you'll have a better standard of support, a better standard of transactions, of
2: transparency,
1: of right. responsibility. And I think volume will naturally gravitate towards exchanges that allow you to facilitate your transactions on a normal basis.
0: What is the incentive for exchanges to participate in something that like you said, you know, like just being able to get orders from every exchange? What is the incentive for them? Well you'll get more
1: volume obviously yeah. across the, across the board um, so and, and you'll get more accounts opened uh, everywhere and uh, it'll create more stability uh, you know and the, the, you know it's one thing about making a rip and it's another thing to kind of have a build, build a sustainable business with deep liquidity making sure we're, we're working with other exchanges to you know kind of effectuate price transparency it's going to create volume for everybody across the base you know across the space because right now market penetration is still very low you're seeing huge volumes of 20 billion a day. But, you know, you're probably thinking, you know, tenths of, of 1% of the public is participating, really. And, uh, you know, this got, it's got a lot of room to grow up because this is not a U.S. market, right? This is not a German market or a Japanese market. This is a worldwide market. Right. The, the entire world is participating. Right. Not just the people that have money, because like in the U.S., right, if you want to day trade, if you want to tr- do more than three trades in a five-day period, you actually have to have $25,000 in the account. Mm-hmm. That's a huge barrier. Right. So right. in crypto, you just, you know, you just open an account and send in a hundred bucks and, you know, just start trading. <laughs> right. That's what it is. You know, so you have a lot more of that grassroots participation worldwide. And I think that by creating a system that alleviates some of these issues for these people, it's going to actually uh, allow them to uh, come into the space more. And it's going to create more volume and mm-hmm. more of an ecosystem around uh, around these coins and all this other stuff and all, this, all these innovations that are occurring. Also, the institutional line uh, can come in. You know, if there's more stability. There's more transparency there, there's systems that maybe not directly make exchanges work with each other but kind of in, do interoperability between them on a the secondary basis with a familiar interface you'll see more institutions participate and that's going to create more liquidity and more volume mm-hmm. uh, you know and so it just kind of liquidity breeds liquidity and uh the space evolves when it gets better I, re- I really firmly believe that by working together and by making things better the market will grow for everyone and not just for the, the exchanges that do the most volume or that Don't want to give you back your money. You know, that's my opinion, but I could be, um, I guess, an optimist on that one.
0: (laughs) Right, right. So let's go into Xtrade. Now, we know what Wall Street does. We know about trading. We know how Wall Street operates. And the problems now with the crypto markets, what is Xtrade.io going to do to fix that?
1: So just literally we're solving one problem at a time and building on top of our last solution mm-hmm. uh, the first The first problem as I mentioned earlier is the API. So each exchange has a different API What is an uh, API? Automated interface to access uh, market data and send orders through a computer program
0: Okay
1: So instead of you sitting there hitting keys uh, and looking at it a computer does that right. by ingesting data and sending orders Exchanges have API's and they're all different. So the standard in the in the stock market uh, something called FIX, uh, Financial Information Exchange. I guess because FIE wouldn't be as wouldn't be as cool. They just use the X in the third <laughs> word. Um, but it, it functions kind of like a, a interoperability protocol, sort of like the English to your German and your French and your Italian and your Spanish. Okay. As so long as you speak English in Europe, you'll get by. Really? Kind of like that. You know. So uh, all these systems, order entry systems, market data systems, execution systems, they all they're all written in different languages potentially, but they, they all work with each other using FIX. Mm-hmm. That's the protocol. So literally when we used to add another route to our order entry system we would say uh okay what's your fixed uh, specification literally that would be the only thing we would say right and okay, all right we're tricks 4.2 we're fixed 4.4 4.1 uh this is what an order does the, so when you send an order you know the, basically you have a field like this if this thing says be here it's a buy you know or if this says S it's a sell and the price is here and the the shares are here and the market is here and the stock is here right mm-hmm. so basically you have a universal language to communicate and you know exactly how to send orders and how to get market data. Right. And so in crypto, you don't have that. Like I said, some, some of them have fixed, but a lot of them have REST and other types of APIs that don't really work. And so um, they don't work together, rather. So so what happens is that you have to write to each individual one. And as a result, it becomes very complicated, very cumbersome to build an automated trading system to build a, or even to integrate the markets into your own order entry system. Mm-hmm. And so creating a unified fixed interface, literally, that we code to each exchange for market data and for execution. And then you just basically interface with our API and then we send the orders everywhere else. Okay. So you only have to do one thing as far as coding instead of a hundred things. So that makes your job a lot easier. Uh, and it makes the barrier eventually entry a lot lower for automated traders and for institutions, most importantly, because they're used to coding and
0: FIX. Is this a platform or a technology to link all the platforms together? It's both, actually. Well,
1: it's it's a platform in the sense that it's a FIX interface, and it's also a technology that links all exchanges together by providing access to each one separately. I
0: I can go into Xtrade.io once it launches (laughs) and... Bitcoin. So
1: we don't sell Bitcoin, right? That's not what we do. We're basically the pipes between exchanges.
0: Okay, okay. So what we do
1: is we provide uh, the fixed API. uh, And then uh, if you have an account at a certain exchange, uh, you simply send orders to that exchange. You get uh, market data and you send orders uh, between those exchanges where you have accounts. And that's really the first step. It's to build that infrastructure. Cool thing is that we also have data center presences. So data centers are just enormous buildings filled with computers where exchanges communicate with each other. So like the New York Stock Exchange is on Wall Street, right? Right. It's in Secaucus, New Jersey. That's where it is. (laughs) You know? Because that's where the data center is. Right. Uh, Equinix, NY4, it's called. And then uh, you have Chicago, DC3, and you have other data centers, right? Uh, And so what happens is that uh, NASDAQ's in Carteret, New Jersey, it's all in New Jersey. So so what happens is that uh, if you have an infrastructure, we have a, a server, basically, or a rack, or a vertical closet full of servers that communicate with exchanges directly, we're much faster faster, right? So we don't have to go over the internet to get to these exchanges. We can go through their local pathways. Right. And so the execution speed uh, is much faster. So you can take your automated trading solution, you can put it on our server, and then you're trading 50, 100 times faster than you would over the internet, you know, depending on where the exchange is and, you know, where they are in the, in the Amazon cloud and things like that, right? right. That's, that's the first step. And so that allows you to basically connect. It's still not the retail product, obviously, but it's more of an institutional algorithmic product, but it's sort of a base to link all these things together. The second product is x Pro. So that platform is a platform that is uh, similar to what I traded on for many years, where I started out when I was you know 20 years old in 2000, 2001. And uh, what it does is it actually creates um, a system where you can download a program. It's not a website, right? And all the market data between all the exchanges is aggregated. All the order books are aggregated into one big order book. Right. So wherever you have accounts, you just select those exchanges and you see right away where the best prices are. Mm-hmm. And also, the cool thing is with the orders, right? As I mentioned earlier, um, exchanges are websites primarily, right? Mm-hmm. So you have to click and drag and there's only like limit market orders pretty much. So we're going to offer a lot of orders that are present uh, in the stock trading space on Wall Street that professional traders have used, that regular active traders have used for many years that a lot of the exchanges don't support. Things like uh, stop, stop limit orders, trailing stops, things like shave orders. So like let's say you have a bid, uh, you know, $49.99. And you want to put it in a bid at 50, just one cent above it or right. one whatever unit. So you hit a key, uh, and then it goes right there. It goes right above. Let's say you want to buy, I don't know, 20 Ether, right? But you don't want to show 20 Ether. You want to show one. Because mm-hmm. you don't want to put a big block out there because people are going to see that your block is big, and they're going to trade ahead of you, so you're going to get a worse price. Right, so just, right. So this thing will show one. You get hit for one, you show another one. It's called the reserve order. Oh, right?
0: okay. It's huh? been
1: around for Twenty. It's, it, it's funny. It's, it's funny they say that because it's literally stuff that was around many, many years ago, and right. it's just crypto, right? And so the keys that we're going to take these order types, we're going to put them on our side, so that the exchanges don't have to support them. We're going to support them. The other thing is keyboard shortcuts. Instead of having to click multiple keys, uh, you know, multiple fields on the on the web browser window, right? You can be able to just press one key. It's going to send a bunch of orders
0: mm-hmm. to different
1: exchanges, different prices. So smart orders. You want to buy one Ethereum. You want to piece it out over three exchanges at the best price. Mm. If that one key it selects the best order for you, the the best exchange, the best price, the cheapest execution, delivers it to you. There, you know, uh, that's very necessary. And so, and this system is also end-to-end encrypted. So you have a lot of these exchanges that are subject to man-in-the-middle attacks. Like I remember when Bitcoin Cash was trading actively, uh, somebody was ddosing HitBTC, right. basically sending a, a large amount of uh, computer traffic to their website to bring it down, and then yeah. they directed people to a phishing site, which collected their user ID and password because they were trying to log into HitBTC. Because in BTC's Bitcoin cash price was much higher because right. it was there. So people were trying to like sell it there, right? And then what happened was that, you know, people collected these passwords and they were able to access accounts, right? And right. so by creating an end-to-end encryption system, where, where, which basically means that your computer is whitelisted, only you can trade. It doesn't go through the web. It goes through our private internet channels. It's, it's, it's private, peer-to-peer connection. So you're not subject to those attacks. So it's much more secure. And that's what institutions need as well as retail uh, traders for right. obvious reasons. So now you're able to access all your exchanges through that system instead of having to open three web pages or five web pages. <laughs> yeah, you know? well, and then you can see your consolidated consolidated positions, right? You can see, like, let's say right. you bought Bitcoin here, and one here, and now you have two. Right. And what's your average price? You know, it's literally what you bought it for. You know. Right the space uh, so you know these are very basic things that aren't like insane you know they're, they're, they've been around for a zillion years in the trading space but in the crypto space they're not there because uh, it's so new it's literally been around for just a little bit and so this is going to k- kind of create that layer and the way we're going to do it we're going to actually just take the fix interface that we've built that i just described earlier and build the order entry system on top of that the x pro system so just like an evolution the, the third step is going to be x spa or so uh, or uh, single point of access so the way that works is that we're going to partner with exchanges where They're our partner where anybody who has an account at the exchange can send us an order, and we'll execute the order from our own account, from Xtrade's account, at a different exchange, from Mm -hmm. an inventory account, and deliver it to the partner exchange. And so once it gets to the partner exchange, that partner exchange does a trade between uh, Xtrade and the client. So effectively, we're not an exchange, right? We're not taking anybody's money. We're just another guy in the exchange, essentially, right? Right. It's like like me and you trading on uh, Binance. Like you buy, I sell. That's Mm -hmm. it. Mm -hmm. Except I bring my inventory from somewhere else. Which is usually what happens anyway, right? You move your Bitcoin from another. Right, exactly. So we're doing the same thing. Except we're doing it in a larger way. And that's going to allow us to kind of leverage liquidity from other places. And give you better prices. Next question is why would the exchanges want to do that, right? Because they would lose volume. Maybe. But at the same time, they would gain market share. They would right. gain capital. People would open accounts there, which that means they would, they would trade there locally as well. And they would obviously we would share revenue with them. Uh, so they would just be another revenue driver for them. And having an added value in exchange to be able to access ten markets instead of one, it's going to drive a lot of clients there. I believe because I would open an account somewhere where I could trade across multiple exchanges. Oh yeah, for sure, absolutely. You know, you know, and you're obviously you're still subject to the KYC that's on the local exchange. Of course, where you're at uh, you know we're not in any way trying to get around that. We're just saying hey. We could give you better prices across the space. We'll deliver it to you where you are, and uh, we'll do the trade there for you, and then you'll have it there. Uh, and that's just a good way to kind of link the markets together. So they may not want to reroute to each other, but we can do some of the rerouting for them to kind of uh, bring the best prices into the space.
0: This brings so, up yep. a lot of questions, actually. And the first one is, like, I automatically think of, like, going to the gym. Like, I'm, I'm a gymaholic. I'm always in the gym, but I wasn't three years ago. And I didn't know how much of a piece of shit I was until I started going to the gym. <laughs> 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 and this is what it kind of sounds like. It's like well, okay, I mean, we
1: three stages of that right now. I haven't had time to go to the gym. I know how you feel.
0: <laughs> you, you, so it seems the same thing with these exchanges, you know? It's like, okay, we don't know that they're bad until you say, "Hey, by the way, you can do this on uh, for like 20 years in on Wall Street." It's like, "What? Really?" That yeah, you cool. don't know you're
1: you don't know you're in a bad relationship until somebody stops hitting you, right? Uh, yeah. kind of
0: like
1: that. It's, yeah. Essentially, that's the problem. Yeah. People right. aren't used to something better, so they just take what they have for granted and they're happy they're able to trade at all, you know? You exactly. can't open an account of the time. So yeah. Exactly. I totally agree with you
0: man. Absolutely. So my two questions that came out of that is first, how are you gonna deal with decentralized exchanges? And can you Sorry? and can you link with those? The other question is, what is the legalities of linking with these systems that are like, you know, based in Singapore or uh you know the Czech Republic?
1: Right. So uh, decentralized exchanges, obviously, we can access through our own uh, wallet at that exchange and then deliver that uh, to the partner exchange. So that's pretty easy to interface with. And we're looking forward to doing that because it's going to bring a lot of liquidity to the centralized exchanges, which are a really great concept, actually, peer to peer trading. Because right now, decentralized exchanges don't really exist well. Right. There's like Ether Delta, which got hacked. Uh, or fished, however you want to say it. And the rest are still kind of in the launch stages. Mm-hmm. You have a lot of good concepts, but they're still, they're still not really out there. Right. And the problem with decentralized exchanges is very simple. It's liquidity. Mm-hmm. So unless somebody's there on the other side with an ARC token to trade for your NEM token, you're screwed, right? Right. It's like sitting there, you know, with your parents down saying, Hey, somebody come in the, you know, uh, but uh, oh, that's a bad analogy. Unfortunately, but uh, uh, like I said, if it no works. Sleep. It works. Yeah. Right. Right. It's yeah. Uh, you analogy was better, but, um, yeah, so th- that's kind of the problem, right? So if you provide institutional liquidity, if you provide volume into these exchanges, they're going to work a lot better. Right. Cause if somebody's there on the other side, it'll just work, you know, you can do a trade, right? Simple enough. As far as the legalities, like I said, you know, so, uh, let's say we're working with one particular exchange. It's our partner, right? Whoever goes to that exchange, has to open the account at that exchange, right? They're subject to whichever regulations they normally go through. There's no difference, right? right. So literally, we're just adding more more volume to that exchange by accessing others, mm-hmm. uh, and we're providing better prices. We're still delivering it to that exchange, and the trade between us and that client takes place within that exchange, under that exchange's regular
0: systems. I see. So you're kind of like an airport. It doesn't matter where they're flying from. But they're still landing in your airport. If they have a passport, then that's their problem. If they get ex- deported from the country, then that's their problem. Exactly.
1: So you know, we, everyone has to go through security. I the other see. Side. You know, we're, we're we're like you know the stewardess. You know, we'll serve you. We'll serve you a beer, but you got to go through the security. You know, <laughs> that's getting that's kind of goes. You know, so that that's really it. You know, so whatever subject, whatever whatever rules and regulations are promulgated in whichever jurisdiction these exchanges exist, those are the ones that you know th- those people will follow. And we're just a source of liquidity at that exchange. We're just another. Think of it as another order book, another another set of market data, another set of liquidity at better prices. That's really it. You know, I hope that helps clarify a little Ab-
0: bit. Absolutely. And, I, and it sounds like an amazing project. And you guys are going to do a pre-token sale here pretty soon, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. One, actually, one other product we're launching, which we haven't, uh, we haven't really publicly discussed yet but very much, is Xtrade Dark. Um, so uh, this is institutional Ooh, order flow. So sneaky. Uh, yeah, it is isn't. it isn't. So if you have a 10,000 Bitcoin order <laughs> you want to sell, you're kind of, you know, you got to go to 39 exchanges to do that. Or you have to pay somebody like a couple of percent to get it filled for you. So what we're going to do is actually set up a situation where large orders can fill with each other. Uh, in a dark pool and work with uh, banks to kind of do the, the the fiat aspect of it. So it's fiat to crypto, crypto to fiat. Right. But also we're going to aggregate liquidity from regular exchanges with, with retail order flow and fill it against that as well. So it's going to create uh, better prices for everybody, we right. feel, and mitigate some of those enormous price movements in the space. But uh, that being said, yeah, so uh, we're just about to release our uh, pre-sale token details. Right now uh, we're active on Telegram. You can join our chat. You can uh, go to our website, which is Xtrade.io and uh, get whitelisted. Don't confuse are,
0: that with X, Xtrade.com, correct? No, no, no.
1: Those are not. That's not us. <laughs> those All guys right. are CFD guys that actually ran a bunch of scams. They've been kicked out of multiple countries and fortunate coincidence there, but not us. Xtrade.io, very important. So if you join our whitelist, we're going to have a public presale in the middle of next month. We're going to release that information very soon. We'll release information about the hard cap, token prices and all those uh, all those timelines that everyone's asking us about. We're just kind of finalizing, putting all our ducks in a row before we do that. Just want to make sure we do the right thing. And so that'll be out very, very shortly. Uh, again, xtrade.io. Uh, join our
0: Telegram. Subscribe to our whitelist. You mind if I go into some general questions real quick? Yeah, go for it. Oh, right on. First question is this how do i even phrase this question this product is let me set this question up first most people are getting into crypto and one of the biggest pulls of cryptocurrency is that they are getting away from traditional systems traditional banking things like that this is seems like a, a, a enhancing the traditional system or the traditional systems coming into cryptocurrency will you agree with that or how do you think how, how do you feel about ideology of independence from the man and then the traditional systems coming into play?
1: Yeah, it's uh, a good question. You know, I, I wrote a couple of Cointelegraph articles that, you know, you know, I had a lot of people on the bottom about how, I'm, don't take my crypto and you know don't shred on me and that kind of stuff, you know. Uh, I totally <laughs> get that. And decentralization is fantastic. Uh, it's really it's really, uh, it's really a cool thing. The way that the world is kind of taken to crypto uh, without any um, barriers to kind of impede them uh, as much as they used to have, You know, exist is amazing. It's facilitated enormous networking effects, uh, enormous, you know, amazing products have launched uh, that are going to change the world. Uh, I feel. So, you know, I don't believe that regulation has to come and stamp that out. That's crazy. Uh, And I'm not a huge fan of regulation myself. What I believe is that there have to be systems that mitigate some of the major risks associated with trading. And there has to be some level of accountability because you are taking people's money.
0: Right. Right. Right.
1: And you have to have some sort of system that allows you to get, if not the best price in the world, at least not paying 20% more for Bitcoin,
0: you know, because
1: that's just not right. You know, so I'm not saying, you know, move it. Move the needle, you know, eighty percent of the way to regulation. I'm saying move it like, you know, fifteen percent to where you have some transparency, some accountability, and some ability to get a better price somewhere else with a better trading system to kind of facilitate it. Right. So we're just taking what's good from the from the from the equity space, from technology that we're used to, and putting it into the crypto space to make it work, you know, a little better. You know, that's kind of what we're doing. Right. So we're we're not trying to change the way things operate. We totally, you know, we're totally on the same page as far as decentralization. Uh, and innovation, and we're doing the same ourselves, right? So, we're very much cognizant of people's uh, attitudes towards that. But we just feel that there's existing technology that can make uh, that can benefit the space, especially from a trading standpoint. We're not a regulatory product, we're, we're a trading product, and right. that's very important as well.
0: What do you think of the market these days? What do you think of the prices? What do you think of the $600 billion market cap today?
1: Well, it's today, tomorrow, it's 800, yesterday, it's 400, right? Uh, <laughs> I think that's the problem. Uh, you know, the, the, vol- the volatility that, that's inherent in the space is huge. It, it just w- what happens is that, um, you know, there's there's large players that control uh, or that, you know, that are able to uh, move the markets uh, greatly because there's not a lot of liquidity. And uh, the retail public kind of follows though. So you have like a, a panic followed by a greed events, you know, and that's why you have these enormous jumps. And because you have so many different exchanges, right, you know, it's not like one place. Imagine like if all the volume was like in in one place, right, what Mm -hmm. would happen? It would move, you know, 40% a day? Right, for sure, yeah. Yeah, just like draw that analogy. Imagine you had a way to connect these things. Imagine there was five exchanges and not not 100 exchanges, right?
0: you actually could be – this platform, this piping, if you will, could be a big part of making Bitcoin or these currencies stable. Yes. To actually be usable, Absolutely. The problem with Bitcoin as a currency,
1: uh, besides it's obviously higher transaction costs, is its volatility, right? Right. If somebody buy a house for Bitcoin, the guy, the other guy, better sell it right away, otherwise, (laughs) right? Exactly. Two hundred thousand, a hundred thousand, three hundred thousand. Right. Literally, like that's not even exaggerations. That's that. That's literally what happens, right? Uh, (laughs) And so, unless you want to be a crypto investor, uh, you know, involuntarily, you have to be able to, you know, utilize the currency, you know, uh, as it's meant to on a currency basis, you know. Mm -hmm. and creating more stability around the price is only going to help them do that. You know, if if you're buying something for a dollar, you know your dollar is going to be worth pretty much the same or a little bit more, a little bit less, right? Because it's stable. In crypto, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. You exactly.
0: Know? Exactly. So
1: that's kind, of, that's kind of the issue that that I feel is, is the problem right now, it's just the volatility, the fragmentation of liquidity, barriers to access, the concentration of power in the hands of the few. The only solve that with getting more retail public and getting more institutional money in creating more transparency, more, better liquidity, more depth in the space. Right. That's that's my opinion. I could be wrong, but nah, I, real, I, I feel strongly that that's the case, uh, and I feel that I can help.
0: Who is somebody that you admire in the crypto space right now that's moving in along? You know,
1: one of my advisors, uh, Lex uh, Sokolin is a great guy. He's um, he publishes a newsletter called Autonomous Next, and uh, it's it comes out every week and it details basically the entire macro space and, and crypto. It's read by widely read by a lot of uh, financial professionals that are in the crypto space. It's uh, it's just a great way to kind of get the information out there, uh, and I feel that he really does a great job doing analysis. You know, I see his. Uh, his decks and everybody else's decks, <laughs> you know, right. without a reference, which is funny. So I, I know it's not like the the acolyte or whatever, but you know, Lexus, uh, I think is a fantastic voice in the space, uh, and I really strongly admire him, and I'm glad to have him as an advisor.
0: Are you able to go from trading stocks, use the same uh, strategies as you're as you're doing on the start market, and come and put that straight into the crypto market?
1: If you can open an account at two exchanges, you can make a lot of money. <laughs> <But> <laughs> okay. It's not- you know, it's really that. It's just like being able to literally buy and sell between exchanges. That's really, uh, that. It's, it's that easy right now. Uh, yeah, as far as strategies, uh, sure. I mean, uh, you know, you can do a lot of moving average analysis, a lot of charting. You can uh, simply see, read the depth of the book and see, you know, how orders are aggregated and see kind of what's going to happen in, in the right. next few minutes. It's just a matter of access, a matter of getting the right tools in place. And I think some of the analytics will also catch up with crypto. People are building really cool platforms. There was one that literally aggregated all the... Coins ever, I think it's actually about four thousand plus, and uh, you know, but a scatter plot wow. of like reward. Yeah, it's essentially like a great institutional research tool, uh, and so that's coming out. And that's just one example of numerous financial products that are going to be coming out in the crypto space. They're going to help you uh, make the right trading decision and uh, evaluate uh, market data and provide strategy. So I think trading, you know, in general, just like anything else, it's not driven by, uh, you know, uh, the stock or a token or. Uh, it's driven by people. It's just greed and fear. Right. right. Uh, or, you know, it's like, uh, how high can it go before I should sell it so I don't lose my money? And then, oh, wow, it's a bargain. It's time to pick it up. And you see that with Bitcoin. Right. You see, there's right. always a floor because somebody's always like, man, this is really cheap. It's a fire sale. Crypto fire sale. Time to buy it. Christmas right. fire 30 percent. It's down. Oh, my God. It's up. Let's sell it. Ah, you know, and then just <laughs> that's really it. It's just like a, a bunch of like Ugh, just cattle like running on a seesaw, right? We My analogy
0: is is a bunch of five year olds playing soccer. One person kicks the ball one way, they all fucking run after it.
1: Yeah, that's that's <laughs> kind of how it is. You know, it just it depends who kicks the ball, right? Exactly. Uh, that's that's kind of that's kind of the the biggest problem, right? Who's kicking that ball? And you know, it's not fair. You know, a lot of the there's really no regulations uh, around like news releases and stuff like that. You know, people just basically talk about stuff whether they own it or not. You know, the whole thing is kind of a little interesting. It's kind of the wild west when it comes to that. So. You know, buyer beware as far as that goes.
0: Right. Uh, so would that but, be your so, advice if this was the first podcast somebody coming into the space listened to and you're the first person they listen to, would that be your advice? Buyer beware?
1: Uh, you know, just do some research or see what you're buying, you know, uh, if you want to play it safe, take a month, take an amount of money you're not afraid to lose. It's something you might like, you know, kick your garbage can, in, you know, in the driveway about, but not like you, you would throw it, you know, just invest it across like a spectrum of coins that you like and just hold it. You know, right. uh, that's what I would do. And just, you know, just open an account in an exchange that that treats you well, that you can, own, you know, some money to just make sure that you kind of try to keep your coins out of exchanges in general, or try to keep them on a personal wallet. And make sure your wallet's encrypted don't put your private key on your google drive they'll just f- blindly follow recommendations in the chat room because people have an agenda you know so trust yourself you know like uh, you're smart enough to analyze things you're smart enough to read a project website and understand that you know they're bullshitting you or not
0: you know you right. see what every
1: other project is and what's not you know if they're just screaming about how much bonus you're going to get in the next 34 seconds you probably have a problem right, right. uh and so you know just 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 common sense Spread your investment out. Take an investment that's you can you can afford to lose. Participate in exchanges that treat you well. Keep your coins off the exchange. Uh, those are the, really the basic things. And you know, and just uh, read stuff. You know, just read. Try to read as much as you can. You know, follow people on Twitter and LinkedIn. Um, but everything take with a grain of salt because everyone has an agenda. Everyone's trying to sell you something. Everyone's trying to get you to buy a token or to buy a research or to be a consultant,
0: right. whether they
1: know something or not. Right. Uh, and the space because it's so new. It's subject to a lot of predation and everyone's everyone in that is now a blockchain innovator,
0: you know, right. because they
1: want ether, you know, you know, you just you just, just got to be careful. That's all. Just, you know, skepti- healthy t- skepticism here is, is good in this space. But at the same time, there's a lot of innovation. There's a lot of amazing stuff coming out and there's a lot of opportunity. And so just be careful. That's all. At the same time, participate because you really should, uh, even with uh, on, a, on, a, on, a, on a minimum basis. I
0: think it's important. Thank you very much for coming on and t- spending time with us. Sure. Uh,
1: thanks for having me, man. This is uh, this is a really cool interview, and I really, really appreciate your time. Yeah, I know man. you're
0: up late right now, and I'm up early. but <laughs> No, I'm, I'm up early. The we're the same time and... zone. Oh, yeah, I'm in fine. Taiwan. I'm a little south of oh. Awesome, awesome, awesome. Okay, cool. All right, brother. You have a great day, man.
1: All right, Matthew. Thanks very much for your time. Take Thank care. Thank you very much.
0: Cheers. All right, Later. bye-bye. Bye. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Crypto 101. Why did I say it like that? That's kind of weird. Anyway, music today was picked by Alexander. We didn't do it on on the air today. I forgot. No, I didn't. I I just lied there. there. There's some technical difficulties happen. First song was Bon Jovi, Living on a Prayer. Second one was just a nice ambient background music. And the third one was Red Hot Chili Peppers, Can't Stop. Please... Apogeecrypto.com, that's apogeecrypto.com. Best place to check your real-time prices. Also, check out our new sister podcast, ICO 101 with Elise Lam. Thank you to everyone for listening like always. And we will see you on the next episode of Crypto 101.